0: Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with, We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. If you haven't yet discovered uh, this wonderful resource, do want to mention the U version. It's an incredible application, absolutely free. has a, just a billion translations of the Bible. You can search by topics, anything that's of interest to you, you will find what the Bible has to teach about that. Speaking of you, we'll find uh, there's also a lower right-hand corner of that app, a drop-down menu under events, search for Arlington FM, and there you'll find a complete set of notes for today's message. Uh, Also, when you're in your podcast player, if you'll search for Arlington FM, there you will find all of our teaching content. Uh, Well, we're uh, finishing up a series today. We've called it uh, Home Run, Going Yard in Church, And the idea is that uh, it's it's always been, I believe, God's intention, the teaching of Jesus, that our attachment to church would be the most satisfying connection in our lives. It would be life-giving, joy-producing, helpful. And uh, unfortunately for many people, their experience with church is anything but that. In fact, it's the absolute opposite. We reference this book called The Rise of the Nuns. And uh, what it's chronicling is that uh, as people fill out their census, census uh, response, more and more people are marking under religion, none. And uh, as you dig into it, what they're expressing is that they believe in God. Many of those people uh, love Jesus, but they don't want anything to do with the organized church because of a, a host of different reasons. Well, uh, we're trying to get beyond that. In this series and actually I get back to what did Jesus have in mind when he spoke these incredible words Uh, he said I will build my church and the gates of hell think of the strongest force in the world uh, that Jesus could think of I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail or overcome it Uh, see Jesus had something in mind That captures the hearts and the interests and the affections of people and it's uh, quite different than what people have often made the church and uh, so as we looked at uh, this uh, snapshot of the first church the church that Jesus had in mind when he said those infamous words we find in uh, Luke's writing in Acts chapter 2 he describes A church that's going yard, a church that certainly was in the mind of Jesus when he spoke those words. Uh, Here's what Luke says. Uh, These early disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed for people by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. Uh, They, Some of them sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and and sincere, genuine hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved and uh, as we've looked at this wonderful description of the first church we've identified these five essential elements of a church that's going yard Uh, they worship god together they they were connected meaningfully uh, in a meaningful way because they shared the very life and the presence of the risen jesus Uh, they were dedicated to discipleship they were learners They were uh, provoking each other to move on and to grow up in their experience of salvation. They were engaged fully in ministry, in serving uh, each other in the world in Jesus' name. And then finally, this uh, word that maybe is offensive to some, uh, they were involved in evangelism. In fact, today we're focusing on the words in Luke's description. He says this, And the Lord, uh, speaking of Jesus, added to their number, speaking to his followers, daily, those who were being saved. And uh, what exactly is Luke describing here? Well, uh, what he's saying is people are being saved by Jesus every day. Uh, he is, uh, Jesus is still doing what Jesus has always done. In fact, people living in darkness are seeing a great light. Uh, people living without God are being found by God. Uh, people who were living uh, as enemies of God were becoming children of God. And as I mentioned, Jesus was doing what Jesus always did. In fact, Jesus said these words in describing his life purpose. He said the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, the Son of Man came to look for people who were distant from God and to bring them back to God. In fact, uh, Luke's sequel, uh, begins uh, the book of acts it begins with these uh, often overlooked words uh, acts chapter 1 verse 1 in my former book speaking of his gospel uh, writing to his friend theophilus i wrote about all that jesus and hear these words i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven In the obvious implication according to luke's writing is that uh, what he wrote in his gospel was just the beginning of what Jesus came to do and to teach. And now he was continuing it. Uh, See, uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means as we witnessed him in the gospels, uh, reaching people, uh, proclaiming good news, uh, drawing uh, people who are far from God to God, that Jesus is the same Today, he's the good shepherd who goes out and searches for lost sheep. And he's still doing what he always did. Only now, this important observation, uh, Jesus is doing what he does through his church. Uh, Jesus was saving people every day, according to Luke's uh, statement. Doing what he always did. Only now, he's doing it through his church. And at the risk of uh, using a word that might be off-putting to some, uh, you could say this uh, about uh, the essentials that the early church was absolutely dedicated to. They were fully engaged in evangelism. They were up to their ears in working with Jesus to bring people to God. They were actively, continually participating uh, with Christ In his work of reaching people. You know, uh, for the early church, the first disciples, uh, it dawned on them that they caught this truth that following Jesus meant participating with him in his mission. Uh, They didn't separate those. They knew that the call to follow Christ was a call to participate with him in his work of reaching, serving saving people. In fact, uh, the earliest call to discipleship, we've often referenced this statement in Matthew chapter 4 and 19. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Uh, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, uh, there's a danger, I would say, in calling that evangelism, in uh, uh, calling Christians evangelists or evangelistic what what's the danger well uh, there's been a lot of crummy things done in the name of evangelism that looked nothing like what jesus did in the gospels and what he continued through the book of acts and through this first church and uh, rather than spending a lot of time laboring on those uh, i would like to just say uh let's look at what jesus did that was so effective in saving people and uh See, what he called his first disciples to uh, was not uh, any kind of program. It was not any kind of church growth campaign. It was an overflow of hearts that had experienced God. Uh, You trace uh, what's taking place in this early church that the Lord's adding to their number daily. Those who are being saved, it all began uh, with the Spirit of God uh, coming upon that earth first group of 120 disciples, and as their minds were opened, as their hearts uh, became fully enlightened, uh, their natural response was to worship God, was to be thankful. Uh, Then they began to uh, connect with each other because they knew that what Jesus promised was happening, where two or more gather in my name, there I am with them. Uh, They provoked each other to, to lean into to grow up in their experience of jesus who was with them they were fully engaged in serving because that's what jesus did and that's what he taught would be the pathway to greatness and just as true as those other outcomes were natural progressions from having their hearts opened their eyes opened their minds enlightened so too is reaching people It's a natural progression of experiencing the goodness of God. They shared the hope of Christ with others. In fact, uh, it's overflow that Luke is really pointing at. It's the natural consequence of experiencing the goodness of God is that hope that comes into our lives uh, gets shared with others. In fact, Luke describes it in this way. He says, uh, they, the people, the first disciples, enjoyed the favor of all the people. Uh, you know, that's not a Turner Burn view of the church. Uh, this is people that are fully experiencing the goodness of God. They're, they're living in the generosity of God. They're sharing that generosity with others indiscriminately, unconditionally, and uh, it's creating interest. People are drawn. To it. They, they were looking upon these first disciples with favor. They were being impacted by this group of people who were thankful. They were joyful. They were gracious. They were generous. They were caring. They were compassionate. They were sympathetic. They were full of life and hope. And, and that became attractional. And uh, all these things were true of them. Uh, Not because life was smooth or life was easy or they were having great success or they had pristine families and wonderful neighborhoods. Uh, Though they may have had all those things, they may have had none of them. The truth was this joy came from having their minds opened up to the reality of what God had done through Christ, through his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he outpoured his spirit so that their hearts could truly experience the wonderful riches. Again, it's out of overflow. It's out of their response to Jesus that they worship God, fellowshiped with each other, uh, pushed each other on to grow up in their experience of salvation, served one another, and reached people in the world. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, was very intentional about teaching this priority. He, he basically said, look, uh, if you want to value what God values, if you want to uh, align your priorities with the values of heaven, we ought to know this. Uh, all of heaven celebrates when one person who is far from God finds God. And uh, Jesus told uh, many stories to highlight this priority in the heart of God and in his own uh, living of his own life. Uh, but in particular, in Luke chapter 15, Uh, Jesus is criticized for spending so much time with people who seem to disregard God. And uh, he told three stories the story of a lost sheep, the story of a lost coin, the story of a lost son. And uh, each of them, though unique and nuanced, uh, had a common thread. When something is lost, you look for it, Uh, you invest yourself in finding it. And uh, when what was lost is found, There's great joy, there's celebration, and uh, Jesus was uh, making a crystal clear point. If we want to align with the values and priorities of God and with our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we'll join him in his search to look for and find uh, lost people. Uh, Jesus was daily adding to their number those who were being saved. Uh, You know, uh, as the Apostle Paul uh, often does. He takes the teachings of Christ and makes them very practical and uh, helps us bring them down to earth. And uh, I want to uh, transition into something uh, Paul wrote uh, to describe this life of partnering with Jesus in reaching people. It's found at the end of one of his letters uh, to, uh, called the, the Letter to the Colossians. And uh, in chapter 4, verse 2, Uh, Paul begins to describe uh, a life that is fully engaged with the Lord of the harvest in his work of reaching and drawing people to God. Uh, Paul says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim or share the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains I pray that uh, when I uh, step through this open door and I share the message of hope, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Uh, Be wise, Paul says, in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, You know, it's worth thinking about uh, what would it look like to actually live the way Paul is describing here, uh, to partner uh, with Jesus who said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, Paul gives really an outline for how to be open for business. You know, we looked uh, last week at a friend of mine shared a story of a guy who owned a barbershop. Uh, in his window, he had a sign. Uh, on one side of the sign, it said, out to lunch. And uh, when he flipped the sign over, the other side said, gone fishing. And either way, he was not open for business. Well, Paul here describes the kind of lifestyle that is open for business, that God can work through to draw people uh, to himself. Uh, here's how we open up for business, according to the Apostle Paul. Uh, number one, we devote ourselves to prayer. He says, being watchful and thankful. You know, when you're watchful in prayer, uh, you think about in your neighborhood, you're thinking about your, your neighbors up and down the street. You're mindful of them. You're, you're talking to God uh, about them. You know, someone once said, uh, you should always talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. I think that's good wisdom. And uh, he says, also, as you're uh, devoting yourselves to prayer, being watchful. Be thankful, be mindful of how generous God has been to you, and it will change the way you think about people. Uh, Secondly, Paul says, uh, pray and prepare for open doors. That's an amazing concept, but it means that Jesus really is working the night shift. When we're not aware, we have no clue what uh, God is up to in people's lives. Uh, Jesus is working in their circumstance. He's working in their marriages, in their homes, on the job, in their hearts. And uh, we get to be a part of that, Paul says, when we pray for open doors, that God would give us uh, divine opportunities to influence others towards Christ. He says, uh, pray for the Spirit to give us ability to make sense, uh, Paul says, that I might speak it clearly as I ought to. You know, one of the amazing miracles of Pentecost is when the Spirit came upon them and they were declaring the works of God, uh, those, uh, the variety, uh, the uh, colorful group of people from all over the world, they said the amazing thing was, we hear them in language we can each understand. And what a great ambition for those who wanna talk to others about God, that God would actually give us the ability to make sense, that what we say wouldn't come across goofy or weird. Uh, but we would be able to speak the truth plainly. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, be wise in the way that you behave towards uh, outsiders. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes in the church, we think of outsiders as less than or people to be feared. That's not the way Jesus approached outsiders. Uh, He made them always feel like insiders. In fact, he made room in his life, in his heart, uh, once he was called upon to address a crowd of people, and he said, these are my family, those who hear God's will and and come to seek it out. So uh, be wise in the way that you behave towards outsiders. He goes on, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the absolute most. Think about that. Uh, How often we miss open doors. We miss opportunities to uh, just kind of overflow the hope and the joy that we found in Christ to others. Uh, Yeah, I had a friend once, and uh, this was uh, decades ago, uh, back when a lot more people were along the roads hitchhiking. And uh, this friend was very influential in uh, keeping me walking with Christ uh, when it got difficult in my early part of my journey. And uh, this friend of mine, uh, he was a Vietnam War vet, seen some of the worst of the worst, had a very dramatic conversion. But uh, back in the day, Uh, He used to pick up hitchhikers. Uh, He'd pray about it first, say, God, should I pick this person up? And uh, when he got a a yes nod, he'd pick them up and uh, get into conversations with them. And one of the things he would often do is say, are you hungry? And if they were, he'd uh, say, you want to grab a burger? He'd pull over and have lunch with them. And uh, inevitably, these people would marvel at his kindness, his caring, and uh, you would get engaged in conversations and always say, "Well, it's it's all about Jesus. It's all about how Jesus loves me and loves you and uh, wants to take care of us and meet our needs." Uh, make the most of every opportunity. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, "Let your conversation." Think about this. Be always full of grace. Uh, always uh, emphasis is uh, don't allow yourself uh, to have corrupt and negative, uh, critical words come out of your mouth, but let your conversation always be full of grace. He says, uh, make sure your God talk is enjoyable, that it's uh, helpful, that it's seasoned with salt, and uh, that you might always have an answer. Uh, Make sure the things that you say to people actually are encouraging and helpful and full of the grace and truth about Jesus. You know, it's amazing when you think about how Jesus went about seeking and saving people, he was all of these things. When we describe being open for business, you talk about uh, taking every opportunity. Think of Jesus with the woman at the well. Think of uh, as he passed under the tree and saw this little man who had climbed up there to get a view of him. He said, "Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I must stay at your house today." And uh, Jesus, uh, the Good Shepherd. It displayed this lifestyle that was attractive, that was loving, that was sympathetic, that was kind, that was useful, that was helpful, that was always abounding in the goodness of God, and uh, certainly he was devoted to talking to God about people before he ever talked to people about God. Well, uh, someone gave me an article recently, really unusual title, in fact, quite a long title. Uh, here's what it was. 17 tricks emotionally intelligent people use to avoid awkward conversations and get along with everyone. And you may think, uh, what what in the world is that article about? Well, uh, if you boil it down, it's really saying what Paul said, uh, let your speech uh, be wise, uh, make the most of every opportunity. Uh, be curious. About people, take an interest in people, let your words be affirming and attractive and upbuilding, and uh, you will position yourself to be in a place where God can use you in His service. Well, uh, I want to begin to bring this message to a close uh, by taking a look uh, once again at these five qualities that the early church was dedicated to. Uh, you know they were uh, they were engaged in worship, they were committed to fellowship, they provoked each other towards discipleship, uh, they served and they were involved in ministry to each other and to the world. And uh, just as natural as all of those previous four were outgrowths of their experience of God through Christ, so too is sharing the good news of His hope with others. You know, I had a friend. Um, uh, way back uh, when I was a, a, a youth pastor of sorts, uh, I led a group called Campus Life. Our goal was to reach unchurched kids. And uh, we did a lot of uh, really great things with young people. But I'll never forget we had a young guy named Finley King. And, uh, you know, Finley was a, quite an interesting young man. Uh, when he found Christ, it was hook, line, and sinker, he was all in. In fact these uh, those five uh, qualities you could see them evidenced in him from the very day he became a follower of Christ but the one that was most obvious to me is Finley loved reaching people and uh, anytime we did a youth outing uh, I was Finley always brought friends he always brought kids who had nothing to do with church or youth group and uh, I'll never forget one time in Finley's life uh, he wanted Uh, his best friend to meet Jesus and felt like his friend was kind of a closed door. And so Finley decided to go on a 10 day fast without anything to eat, just drinking water. And he was just uh, asking God uh, to rescue his friend. And uh, sure enough, uh, shortly after that uh, Finley's friend did become a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, at the age of 19, uh, Finley was out working in a field, uh, moving irrigation pipe, and uh, he accidentally touched a power line with one end of the pipe. And uh, fin- Finley was killed instantly. And, uh, you know, as I think about Finley's life uh, over way too soon at the age of 19, I always have the sense that Finley did exactly what God had called him to do. He, he accomplished everything that God had put in his young life to do uh, because he lived with passion and joy and in sync with the values of heaven. And, uh, you know, as we pray, uh, maybe you're thinking, uh, well, I can't be Finley King, that's just not who I am. Uh, But you can be you, and you can be open uh, to the priorities of heaven, and you can be open for business. And uh, it all begins with inviting uh, God to uh, use us. He's purchased us, he's brought us to himself, and now we are his And we're a part of that church that Jesus said, I will build and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you uh, for the life that you've called us to. Uh, Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your wonderful light. There's not a one of us, Lord, who uh, calls ourselves uh, Christians or, or believes that we're born again and saved. There's not a one of us who haven't been rescued from deep darkness and given uh, just a wonderful gift of uh, becoming your children, of gaining hope and eternal inheritance. And, uh, Lord, uh, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, uh, much as you did with that early group of Christ followers, that you would fall upon us, uh, that uh, something uh, of an act of God would turn the lights on in our brains, would uh, tenderize our hearts, and uh, the, the consequence... The outcome of that experience of your spirit would be joy, would be gratitude, would be a wholeheartedness, Lord, to worship you, to fellowship with other followers of Christ, uh, to invest in each other's development, to serve the world as you did. And Lord, to have our lips open and our hearts inclined uh, towards those who are living without hope, Lord, thank you for the reminder that to follow you is to be engaged in your mission. And I thank you that your intention, Lord, is to add to their numbers daily those whom you are saving. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we get to be a part of that. And maybe as you're hearing this message, you're thinking, wow, you know, I've never really become a follower of Jesus. I've heard a lot of God talk, but uh, what I'm hearing today, it feels quite different. It feels like I'm being asked to, uh, to make a decision. You are. Uh, Jesus called people to follow him and find life. And uh, if you're sensing that in your heart, I would like to just lead you in a natural response to that. You'd say something like this. Uh, Lord Jesus, I sense your presence in my life. I sense your uh, call to follow you. And I'm, I want to do that, Lord. And so I, I open up to you. I've heard about forgiveness. I've heard about your death on the cross. Uh, Forgive me, Lord. uh, Remove from me anything that would distance me from God. Uh, I've heard about becoming a child of God, being brought out of darkness into your light. I want to live in that truth. Pray that your Holy Spirit would would come to me, would open my mind, open my heart, and uh, engage me uh, in the life that you're calling me to, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.